Welcome to In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. I'm so excited to start this new podcast journey, and I'm even more excited to bring you all along with me. I'll be covering a part of the thoroughbred racing industry that I find fascinating, but may feel like an other kind of intimidating world to some people, whether it's the two-year-old in training sales, the yearling sales, broodmares, or horses of racing age. We're going to cover it all on this show. And we're going to speak to a variety of individuals that are deep in the heart of the horse sales and make these sales happen. My first guest on In the Ring is a dear friend and someone I've worked with in the past with the keen in January sale coming up. Who better to welcome than someone who is synonymous with Keeneland? Kurt Becker, the only race caller the track has ever had, but also a big part of the sales team. We can see him on the stand throughout all of the Keeneland sales. Kurt, thank you so much for joining me and being my first guest on In the Ring. Acacia, it's an honor. I appreciate the chance to, to come on and join you tonight. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to talk about the sales side of things. You you and I have had our share of conversations over the years about uh, races and race horses, and uh, it's, it's going to be fun to have a chance to talk about uh, the auction ring tonight. Absolutely. And as I mentioned, you are the voice of Keeneland Racing, the only uh, track announcer at Keeneland, um, but you do many other things. And one of those other things is that you are a, a big time uh, individual who's involved in the Keeneland sales. Tell me a little bit about just your role, Kurt, as both being on the stand for the the sales and being a track announcer at Keeneland. Indeed. I've had a chance for uh, about the last 20 years now to to serve as one of the announcers for the Keeneland sales. Uh, I originally came to Keeneland, uh, as you mentioned, for the track announcer for the races. And uh, a couple of years after I started calling races here in the late 90s, management said, you know, we, we need to develop some more uh, announcers for the auctions. And it's, it's been my privilege to work alongside of John Henderson uh, for, for the last several years at Keeneland. John, uh, John, you, you had mentioned, Acacia, you, you made reference to, to how the fact that, you know, really all of us, when we get into this game, we've, we've got someone who kind of helps us along the way or is there to answer our questions. And uh, John was one of the people that did that for me, uh, be- because when I started working as one of the announcers for the sales, and, and keep in mind, for folks who who aren't familiar with the sales side, the announcer simply introduces the horse, hits the highlights on the pedigree before the auctioneer begins selling. And John Henderson uh, is someone that, uh, without whose help and without whose guidance, I would have never made the cut to be on the team for the auctions. I just uh, really appreciate John and looking forward once again to, to working with him and, and the entire staff uh, coming up. It is so true. I mean, there's so many people in the industry, in the sales, in the racing side, whatever your role is, it feels like you always do a million different things too. And uh, you need somebody that's going to be able to open the door. So I love hearing that side of things. And you touched on a little bit about what you do when you're on the stand. It can almost sound uh, like you you know something about these horses going into it obviously there's so much preparation that you do you, you don't just read from the sales book on a whim on on the day of the sale and and that's true and uh, i i think like uh, any good student so to speak i i know uh, i know the people in the classroom whose homework i need to steal so uh, <laughs> i the reason i say that is i mentioned john henderson and 
one of the things that John does is literally every day of the year, he will go over race results and he keeps a stallion database and he will print out these stallion credits. And they're so important, uh, whether you've got a yearling in the ring by a particular sire, a broodmare in the ring who's in full to a particular horse. And that is a big part of what we do, frankly. John does all this work and he puts it all together and, and keeps that as an extra reference for us on the stand. And, and I think that that's, that's one of the ways that through the team effort, we, we try to bring everything we can that's pertinent in terms of information and updates. But at the same time, you've got to be quick. You've got to be concise. It's an auction. I mean, we've we've got 400 head catalog each day for the Keeneland January sale. And uh, when you've got 400 head catalog, even with the outs, and there's you know usually 80 to 100 outs each day, you're, you're still talking about a sale that will start at 10 a.m. and will not wrap up till around 6.30 at night. So you do have to keep the pace going because it's not fair to keep everybody there too late, especially uh, for, for folks who have horses to sell later in the day. Uh, it can be a very uh, time intensive. It takes a lot of time preparing to go to the sales while you're there looking at horses throughout the actual time when they're in the ring. There's a lot more than just that moment when the hammer falls. And how do you kind of keep things moving? Because you mentioned it being a team. Tell me a little bit about who else is up there on the stand with you. Who's in the sales ring to make sure that things are going smoothly? Well, we, usually on the auction stand, what we will have is uh, what one announcer, one auctioneer at, at any given time. Generally, we will have a second auctioneer who is also on the auction stand, r really there just as a backup. Uh, as as the saying goes, if uh, you know if, if you if you get a, a a bug that flies down your throat or something, and you're the auctioneer, you don't want to have an awkward pause. So the other auctioneer is there, handy and ready to jump in for that same reason to keep the pace of the sale going. But but you've also got folks like the ring handlers. Uh, I will confess, I know nothing about horsemanship. I mean nothing. I, I and I and I'm amazed at these folks that that can bring those horses into the ring and know how to communicate with them, know how to properly uh, keep them not just under control, but it's not just that, but also helping the horse relax and and to, to feel more at home for that brief minute or two. Because look, I've I've never been a horse, but I would think if I walk into the ring, it could be a little unsettling. This is all new. There's bright lights. There's a lot of sound going on and a lot, a lot of activity. And I think the ring handlers are, are a, a key component of, of the whole situation. I think they're the unsung heroes of the sales for sure. And, and hopefully on this podcast in the future, we'll be able to get somebody in that role on there because I, I would love to to pick their brain about what it's like being in those moments, especially with some of those those high priced horses or ones that are pretty difficult because as we know, each horse uh, has their own personality, so to speak. And like, I guess that brings me to my next question. I'm curious, any particular horses or particular sales that stick out in your mind, Kurt, whether it's been a big number that the horse has sold for, just a, a particular racehorse that you remember and then goes through the sales ring as well? Well, one, one thing I will always consider a highlight uh, of my career at Keeneland is anytime I've had a chance to be on the stand, uh, in particular for uh, a September yearling who then goes on to be a, a grade one winner. It's always fun to look back and I keep notes of which horses I was on the stand for. And uh, I'll give you a good example. Uh, a horse like Good Magic, who went through the ring for a million dollars at Keeneland as a yearling and then came back and won our signature race, the Toyota Bluegrass. That 
that was a lot of fun as as both the sales announcer and track announcer uh, to, to have that connection to him. Uh, Justify as a horse, I was on the stand uh, for him when he sold as a yearling. Uh, another one would uh, uh, would would be the Breeders' Cup Classic winner from from just last fall for Spendthrift Farm and the My Race Horse folks. Uh, authentic, another example of a horse that I was fortunate to be on the stand when he sold as a yearling, and then when he came back to Keeneland to run uh, in in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And I, I, this will sound silly, but I I have to share it when when I when I look back at Justify. The, the thing that especially meant so much, the auctioneer was Scott Caldwell, and Scott's been an auctioneer at Keeneland since the early 1970s. He, he and his family have been friends with my mom and dad uh, for as long as I've been alive. And uh, Scott was the auctioneer when Justify sold, and I was the announcer. And my, my mom, bless her heart, still has a picture of me at age nine standing next to Scott Caldwell when Scott was maybe 25 years old. And uh, I, it, it was just it was it was, a lot, it was a lot of fun to be up for for that particular horse uh, with Scott because you know and you don't know it at the time. I mean, obviously when they're yearlings, it's not that we sat there and said, "Oh, this is going to be a triple crown winner." But but you know, then you look back later and say, "Hey, that was pretty neat." Yeah, I think everybody has their own story if they they were alive or witnessed a triple crown and where they were when, so to speak. But I think you really have a a good where you were when story as you were there right at the beginning of his career, so to speak. It's it's and the same thing you know in, in the other the, the other direction also with uh, the the other way that it can work is we we will get the grade one fillies that come off the racetrack and sell at the the breeding stock sale in November or at this January horses of all ages sale and that's a lot of fun too because uh, a good example we've got one coming up on Tuesday that's part of the Samsung farm of Canada dispersal. And, and it's a mare who won the double dog dare at Keeneland a number of years ago. And, and I've always told the auction crew, it's, it's kind of like if, if, you, if you had a chance to see those horses, or in my case, to call those races at Keeneland, and then here they come back to Keeneland in the auction ring, it's kind of like seeing an old friend again. So I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, looking forward to that. And you mentioned the Samson Farm dispersal, and we will get to see some of those great mares, those incredible families that this this dynasty, so to speak, in the world of breeding has been part of for so many years as Samson Farm, uh, 21 in-full mares. And, and I, I loved looking back uh, at the Samson Farm just legacy again, as we'll talk a little bit about what to expect with their dispersal and the sale coming up. 84 sovereign awards and just some incredible names throughout the years. It must be pretty special to see uh, some of those families coming into the sale next week. It really is, and in fact, we had a a, a broodmare parade, a, a broodmare show that took place this morning at Keeneland involving the the Samsung horses. And after the presentation, there was there was someone from Canada who uh, approached our head auctioneer Ryan Mahan and myself and began talking about Samsung. And they said, you know, this farm has meant so much to Canada's identity. Uh, in the horse business. And they pointed out that you go back and you look at Canadian racing history and you had the late E.P. Taylor with Winfield's Farm and Northern Dancer and, and the tremendous legacy there. And then when the late Ernie Samuel came along and he formed Samson Farm, that this was really the next farm to succeed Winfield's and keep Canada on the North American racing map and continue to further that Canadian identity. So you're you're right, Acacia. It's uh, 
it, it's an organization that's replete with history. Uh, I, I have to share with you one of the things that the Samuel family has shared with us. We've all through the years seen those red and gold silks uh, of their farm at the races that are at just so easy to quickly distinguish uh, on the racetrack. And uh, apparently the red and gold was chosen for a specific purpose. The red was chosen because it was the company color of their uh, steel and trucking company, uh, which originated from the fact that you think of red being associated with Canada through the maple leaf and so forth. And then the gold was chosen uh, both for the, the strength and resilience of the metal and also for the fact that the Samuel family in the 60s had owned a horse or two that had been part of a gold medal Canadian equestrian team at the Olympics. So I, I really thought that knowing that, the, that that sense of pride in their country and, and in family and what that legacy has meant to them, I enjoyed learning how the red and gold color scheme came about. I did not know that. And and that's really incredible. And I love that, especially as uh, I work as the paddock reporter at Gulfstream Park as well. We have the Pegasus World Cup coming up and we'll see those Samson Farm colors in the lineup with Say the Word and the Pegasus World Cup turf. And it really is iconic, those silks. And I feel like there are several, a handful of silks uh, throughout the years in racing that you just immediately, your mind goes to that farm and some of the great horses that have been associated with it. So I really love hearing the story behind it. And, and it really is very special because I think that they really have left such a mark on the industry as a whole. They have. And I, I really enjoyed the way one racing fan uh, put it to me recently. Uh, I received a text from someone that said, I see where Samsung is dispersing. I'm not cool with that. We can't let that happen. And of course, that was a reference to their tremendous respect and how much they've enjoyed seeing those horses uh, from that farm and from that stable over the years. And, and you think about the fact that on, on the Tuesday of sale week, we will have not only the, the Samsung dispersal, but also the dispersal of uh, the horses owned by the late Paul Pompa Jr., which Lane's End will be handling that consignment. That will all take place on Tuesday. And, I, and I've got to tell you, Acacia, you mentioned your role as paddock reporter at Gulfstream Park. I know that coming up a little later, you're going to talk to the Lane's End director of sales, Alaire Ryan. And uh, I, I about fell off my chair today because I was watching the races from Gulfstream and, <laughs> and Alaire's father, Mike Ryan, if I'm not mistaken, owned an interest in two horses that had a dead heat for the win on the turf. That's, that's quite a happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I am so glad you brought that up because I am very much looking forward to asking Alaire about that, which was pretty incredible. I could have sworn in that race that the three battalion had held on for the win, but hey, I'm sure that Mike is very happy to take a dead heat and uh, the connections are as well as that was an exciting race. And uh, we did actually see today at Gulfstream a, a first time starter owned by the late Paul Pompa's estate uh, in Untreated who will be in the sale as well and have been following a couple of those. I think we've seen some very impressive ones up in New York too. You have turned aside country grand Regal Glory, those horses, uh, again, in his very recognizable silks. And of course, Paul, such a, a mainstay in the world of racing and such a positive influence, of course. And I know it was a real loss for the industry when he passed away. And um, I know that his family and his uh, people associated with him in, in getting ready to sell these horses are saying, 
they're continuing his legacy in doing right by the horses and, and planning for their future. And and Paul Pompa Jr., I, I maybe had only one or two chances uh, to, to ever speak with him in person over the years, and it was just kind of in passing. But uh, you're, you're exactly right. You hit it on the head. This was someone, he, he had such a gracious way about him. I, I, if, if you're like me, it, it can be intimidating sometimes when, when you work in this industry and you've seen names in the program of folks who are heavily invested in this game, and then you meet them face to face. And he was one of those people that had a way of putting you at ease immediately. And uh, there, there are some tremendous horses that are being offered as part of this dispersal. And, uh, you know, Paul left us too soon, but uh, how fortunate we, we all have been to have known him in the industry. Absolutely. As he was uh, certainly, I think, most known with his journey with Big Brown, a Keeneland grad himself, if I'm not mistaken. And Correct. And Preakness winner and, and that journey. And just uh, I unfortunately never really did have a chance to to meet him in person and, and speak to him at length. But every individual that I've heard, particularly those who either they whether they worked on the notes team or part of a media team while Big Brown was on his uh, on his derby run have said nothing but great things about Paul. And, and I think it is very exciting to see some of his horses uh, going through the ring and, and seeing potentially what their future may be. And, and we talked about the fact that Lane's End will be handling the, the Pompa dispersal. And I, I've got to circle back just briefly. And I, I have to tell you, Acacia, that for folks who don't know the name of Alaire Ryan, the Lane's End Director of Sales, if you don't already know her, you will know her eventually because this is someone who is an absolute up-and-coming rock star in the thoroughbred industry. She she works so hard. She's she's one of the most diligent people that that I know in the sales side of the industry. Uh, she keeps incredibly long hours. She's very conscientious, uh, very thorough in her work. And, and you think of an organization like Lane's End, uh, you know, the Farish family, very nice people. But, but also very serious folks when it comes to the way they run their operation. And frankly, you're not going to rise up through an organization like Lane's End unless you can prove to the Farishes and their senior staff that you have earned it. And Alaire is someone, it's been fun for a lot of us just to watch her journey in this game. You know, when, when you come into the game as the daughter of a bloodstock agent like Mike Ryan, there, there no doubt are, are folks that will say, okay, well, we know, we know her dad, but you know, she's going to have to prove herself. Well, she has done that and she has exceeded expectations. And uh, I promise you, you're going to have fun talking to Alaire. I really am looking forward to it. I was looking forward to speaking to her already. And now with uh, a glowing recommendation from you, Kurt, even more so. And I love hearing that and and uh, hearing about some of the journeys of some younger people in the industry. And Lane's End, obviously, uh, playing a huge role with the dispersal of Paul Pompa's estate. And he has, uh, there's 39 horses in that dispersal entered in the sale. I mentioned some of uh, the state's winners that we'll get a chance to see go through. But Lane's End also has a couple of freshman stallions in City of Light and Accelerate uh, that we're going to see represented. And I think uh, that's always a big story too, Kurt, as we're seeing new yearlings, of course, thoroughbreds turn the next age, they have a birthday on January 1st, no matter what month they're actually born. We're going to get a chance to see some of these freshman stallions and their first offspring go through the sales ring. 
It is exciting. It's part of the the renewal of the industry. Uh, I I remember over the years that I would hear folks. I grew up in the standard bread business, and and I used to hear farm managers and uh, stallion managers that would talk about the fact that as they grew older, that became bigger and bigger, more and more important to them. That just the excitement of seeing the new stallions, as you said, the freshman stallions, seeing their offspring go into the ring, and and I can understand that. I probably appreciate that now at age 51 more than I ever have. And you look at a horse like Accelerate, five grade one wins, won the Breeders' Cup Classic, or you mentioned City of Light, uh, speaking of the Pegasus World Cup, which is coming up, and, and a horse who raced with success there and who won, what, five and a half million dollars. I I just, the, the head auctioneer at Keeneland, Ryan Mahan, was speaking to me this morning, and uh, he, he's, he can be a pretty tough critic when it comes to confirmation and such. And he pulled me aside and he said, I got to tell you, he said, City of Light is a horse I really like. He said, I like the way he's made. He's really an eye-catching kind of horse. So it, it is. It's fun to hear that kind of excitement about the next generation of horses coming on. Yeah, I remember seeing City of Light before the Pegasus World Cup, and I hadn't actually seen him up close in person before. And I will never forget, I turned the corner onto the horse path and he was schooling. And I just said, whoa, I know who I'm picking. He uh, was so stunning. And uh, talking about some of those new stallions, you mentioned the next generation. And that really is the whole purpose of the sales, right? We we work in an industry where we have such excitement on the racetrack and we get to follow those horses, but you're always looking for the next one. You're always looking for that next star. And that's where the sales really come into play. And that's true. And and I think about this Keeneland January sale as an example of that. I, I suppose that typically one might think of the fall yearling sales, and understandably so. I mean, that's obviously where the overwhelming majority of yearlings are going to be sold and, and where folks are going to go to, to, to reload their stables. But uh, we always have a number of the so-called short yearlings in the January sale at Keeneland. And, and that term, for the exact reason that you mentioned, Acacia, the fact that all horses have a January 1st birthday for the sake of uniformity. So short yearlings in the sense that they, they've they only been yearlings uh, for just a few short days. And you think back, uh, a horse such as Wells Bayou, uh, speaking of Lane's End, they sold Wells Bayou here a couple of years ago as a yearling in January and, and went on to win the uh, Louisiana Derby last year. Uh, a horse like Mucho Gusto, great example, another Pegasus World Cup connection. He sold uh, here Shawhan Place, a small family-owned and operated farm. Shawhan sold Mucho Gusto as a January short yearling at Keeneland and uh, went through the ring for 14000 that day and, and goes on to win that multi-million dollar race. So uh, I, I've always said that's part of the excitement. You just never know what the future might hold for some of these horses. No, you don't. That's a great story. I am looking forward to seeing where the next star will come from and it very well could be coming up at this Keeneland January sale. Broodmare prospects and short yearlings, as Kurt just mentioned and explained. Kurt, will be looking for you on the stand and looking forward to hearing some of your comments uh, about these horses in the sale. Thank you so much for joining me today. It really was such a pleasure. Well, Acacia, it's, it's been fun for me after having first met you a few years ago and to work with you at the Horse Racing Radio Network and and to watch your career take off and blossom. I have enjoyed that so, so much. And, and to see a young person such as yourself 
who was excited about this game, wanted to be involved in the game. So it's it's fun to have an excuse to to catch up, and, and I really appreciate the chance to come on and join you here tonight. I love it. Kurt, thank you. And just uh, quickly, for those that aren't familiar, Kurt and I really do go far back as when I was Miss Connecticut back in the end of 2014, I did a radio interview where I said I wanted to work in horse racing. And one of Kurt's colleagues at NASCAR heard me, happened to be from this tiny town in Connecticut where I was doing the radio interview at 7 a.m., sent me a message on Twitter, connected me to Kurt, and Kurt connected me to Mike Penna at the Horse Racing Radio Network, and the rest is history. So, uh, Kurt, you you really did help open the door for me quite a bit, and uh, things really do come full circle, I think. Well, it's 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 been a lot of fun, and, and I continue to enjoy it. And I, and I always like to get the chance to trade thoughts on racing with you, and, and now here this evening on, on the sales as well, Acacia. So, I uh, really appreciate your staying in touch, and and hope to get a chance to catch up again with you soon. Absolutely, Kurt. Thank you so much. Kurt Becker, track announcer, the voice of Keeneland, also part of the Keeneland sales team. Looking forward to that Keeneland January sale. Kurt, thank you again. Thank you. So pleased to welcome in my next guest now, Alaire Ryan, sales director from Lane Lane's End, which will be uh, overseeing the dispersal of the estate of Paul Pompa Jr. Also, of course, has some mainstays uh, in Quality Road. Of course, your kind of flagship stallion, I think it has been lately, some new stallions as well. And Alaire, we just uh, heard Kurt Becker say some wonderful things about you and it is my pleasure to welcome you to the show thank you so much for joining tonight oh thank you for having me i'm glad to be here so talking a little bit about the dispersal of the estate of paul pompa jr of course he was such a, a mainstay in the world of racing and somebody that was so widely respected i think how special is it for you and everybody at lane's end to be in in charge of handling the dispersal of his horses into this keeneland january sale um, it, it goes without saying it's a responsibility that none of us take lightly. Um, Mr. Pompa was one of the greatest sportsmen I think you could ever hope to meet. Um, he was a wonderful person to work for, uh, a friend and a client through and through. And for, for all of us that did get to develop a, a relationship with him, um, at Lane's End based on, you know, caretaking of stallion connect the mares and the foals that we have and the ones that he decided to consign um through the public sales with us it's it's a a big loss to us personally as as a farm and as a consignment but to the industry overall as well um and we're just here to you know kind of keep things in motion and hopefully represent um his program to the best of our ability and and do something that he would be proud of. I, I think he would be. Um, it's, it really speaks for itself um, when you take into account the offerings as a whole. But um, we're here with a heavy heart, but we're also proud to stand behind um, the horses in the consignment. I had the pleasure of being at Aqueduct shortly after his passing uh, when there was a winner in his silks uh, for the estate of Paul Pompa and seeing everybody there in the winner's circle and just the pride and the excitement, but also how bittersweet it was. I think that was really a moment that you you kind of gathered just how special an individual he was to those that knew him and, as you said, to the industry as a whole. Yeah. 
looking at some of the horses that are going to be in the dispersal, 39 horses in that dispersal, and some big names like Turned Aside, Country Grammar, Regal Glory. Uh, tell us a little bit about what we can expect for the horses that'll be in the sale. Yeah, so um, in addition to the horses of racing age that you just mentioned, we also have on offer um, several mares and short earlings. So there's really something for everybody, whether you're a commercial breeder or whether you're somebody looking for kind of a turnkey opportunity to take back to the racetrack. Um, We shipped in our first group of horses to Keeneland today. They'll be consigned on Tuesday the 12th. Um, Those are mares. Uh, short yearlings and six fillies of racing age and then the book two horses will be on the grounds ready for inspection that same day Tuesday the 12th and they'll sell on Thursday the 14th. Tell me a little bit about what it's like from the vantage point of you all at Lane's End in preparing a horse for a sale, especially when it is a dispersal like this. And mm-hmm. you said, it, of course, it's not something you take lightly. There's there's added kind of pressure attached with it in all of the best ways. And you know, there'll be a lot of eyes on it. What is the process like in, in prepping horses to go to the sale? Um, yeah, there is some associated pressure, like you mentioned. But in the case of horses that were in our care at Lane's End, Um, The majority of them obviously are are mares and short yearlings, um, a couple of broodmare prospects. Um, The nature of the breeding stock sales and and the sales prep process is a little bit um, less intense than it is, say, for a yearling sale. So we were preparing these entries in October after Mr. Pompa's passing uh, prior to the November 1st entry deadline. And really between now and then, we've let the horses kind of maintain their regular routines, especially the pregnant mares. We don't want to disrupt their routines too much um, because too much change is not always a good thing for a mare that's expecting um, to fall. So what goes into the preparation process is basically grouping the mares together um, based on their covering dates and based on what date they will go to the sale. And then the short yearlings, Um, more of the practice goes into hand walking them every day, making sure that they know how to lead, how to stand up, how to show to prospective buyers that are are going to come see them at the sale. So like I said, we try to strike a good balance between letting them maintain their, their regular routine that they're used to, um, while, you know, getting them sale ready in terms of making sure their hair coats look good, their feet are good, their weight and condition's good, that sort of thing. And they have to look good for the big day, just like everybody Mm -hmm. else, right? Exactly, exactly. Now, you are the director of sales at Lane's End. And uh, Mm -hmm. as we were just talking to Kurt shortly ago, and he, uh, again, was singing your praises and what you've done uh, in your role at Lane's. And uh, for those who may not be familiar, explain to me a little bit about what the title sales director means and what your main responsibilities are in getting these horses prepared. Sure. Um, So Lane's End, in addition to being a a large uh, breeding and boarding operation, also has a large consignment business as well. Um, typically we sell anywhere from 500 to 700 horses a year at breeding stock and yearling sales. Um, 
obviously not all of those horses come from our farm. So we have a, a built-in um, consignment business there as well. So my job as director of sales is to, um, you know, take into account the entries uh, that we receive from our owners that we represent or horses that are on our farm and make sure that horses are placed in the appropriate sales. Um, and that's particularly important in the yearling market. Um, you might know there are a few different opportunities to sell yearlings throughout the year, starting usually in July and again in August, September and October. So my job is really just to try to put all the puzzle pieces together and in, in the best way that they're going to fit so that horses show up at sales at their commercial best. I think they kind of hit the nail on the head with the, the racing industry in general, right? Putting all of the pieces together. It's all about timing as well. And, and uh, with horses, you're dealing with live animals on top of that. So things very much so. Things can go wrong along the way. I'm sure there are a lot of challenges mm-hmm. in just getting to that point. Yep. That's one thing you have to remind yourself pretty much on a daily basis is that you you are fortunate enough to be dealing with animals which are are so beautiful in and of themselves but at the same time that you know brings a challenge in that you have to be very flexible and not all laid plans you know go accordingly so you have to be able to adjust and do the right thing you know by the horse and and by the owner at the same token was there one particular sale maybe it was an individual horse or a sale as a, a whole that really stands out to you that whether it was a huge success, a, a huge sales price, or, or something that you felt really proud of, is there one that really stands out in your memory? Mm, I've I've got several that come to mind. Um, I'd say one of the most monumental sales experiences as a whole was when um, Lanes ended the dispersal for the estate of Ned Evans. Um, that was almost an out-of-body experience. <laughs> Over the two weeks of the Keeneland November sale in 2011, um, that dispersal grossed $62 million And in a lot of ways, it was the end of an era. And in other ways, it, it was very refreshing to see those bloodlines go to, you know, different hands within the industry and to see those bloodlines are, are still present and still producing and still very relevant. Um, for the example, Gunrunner um, today is... It's very, very rewarding. So, um, I mean, I could tell you all kinds of stories and it might sound a little bit corny, but I get a lot of satisfaction or just as much satisfaction out of selling some book six horses for $5,000 as I do, you know, stellar win for multi-million dollars. So um, each horse is different and each horse kind of has their own story, but I'd say that the dispersal we did for Mr. Evans was was one that I'll never forget. I can imagine, uh, like you said, seeing those bloodlines continue on uh, in the industry. And as I, I often say with the sales, that's where you're you're looking for that next star. You're looking for your, mm-hmm. your next horse. And, and that's where things really come into play. In this sale, this January sale, it's short yearlings, like you mentioned, but it's also broodmare prospects. And that's where you really feel like there's so much more emphasis on the breeding side of things and some of the mares right are in full already some are in some are already pregnant and some of them are just coming off the racetrack and potential prospects to move mm-hmm. on with yep yep like i said there's there's really something for everyone at horses of all ages sale like this i mean 
Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that the dispersals that are present kind of breathe a little bit of, of um, momentum and, and air into the, into the marketplace. I think it be, could be a great way to start out the new year. Looking at some of the short yearlings, we have some new stallions that will get a chance to see their offspring and some of them standing at Lane's End, uh, City of Light and Accelerate and uh, City of Light by Quality Road, of course, also at Lane's End. Uh, How special is it now to see his offspring in the sales and and what can you tell us a little bit about what to expect? It's especially gratifying for me. to have City of Light at Lane's End and to now be consigning um, his offspring. He himself was a yearling sale graduate from our consignment um, from a small um, breeder owner operation, a very special operation based out of Paris, Kentucky and Marie Farm. Um, So it's kind of come full circle for me um, working with City of Light. But this is a stallion that has impressed as much as one can from the get-go. Um, his his first crop of foals uh, from top to bottom uh, are consistently good individuals, and that's very exciting for us um, to have a young stallion that's stamping his stock like City of Light is so far. Um, and honestly, I, I feel like I can say this, uh, Quality Road's my favorite stallion at Lane's End, but I think City of Light is a better looking version of his sire. And uh, he's definitely passing those looks on to his, his weanlings and now short yearlings. Um, they're, they're very classic looking individuals. They've got the scope, the balance, the substance and the mechanics that make them just look like they're going to be good athletes. So like I said, uh, it, it's it's pretty exciting for us to have a stallion uh, like him give us some physicals in his in his first crop. It's there's a lot to look forward to. And he really was a stunning individual, and as far as confirmation is concerned as well. So I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to seeing some of his offspring and, and mm-hmm. soon on the racetrack as well. I also saw that you have the sister to City of Light who's in full to Quality Road. We can expect her in the sale as well. We do, yes. Um, exotic Notion. She sells his hip 800E in the addendum on uh, Tuesday the 12th. Uh, a beautiful mare. Um, has all the physical traits that you'd look for in a mare in terms of size, scope, and depth, and the way she carries her pregnancy. Um, classy looking mare, and there's plenty of appeal, like you said, in her page um, from top to bottom. She's half to City of Light and in full to uh, Quality Road, so she should draw plenty of attention while she's here. We know some of the uh, big names you mentioned. Quality Road, of course. So, of course, we're used to saying we're used to seeing in the sales pages. Talked a little bit about City of Light. What can you tell me about Accelerate and a couple of his short yearlings that we're going to be seeing in the sale? What have you noticed uh, from him and his offspring uh, as of now? He also stands at Lane's End, of course, Breeders' Cup Classic winner. Mm-hmm. Um, Accelerate's also been quite consistent in what he's thrown so far. Very workmanlike uh, first crop of foals. They're all strong, smooth-bodied individuals that stand over a good amount of ground. Uh, good-minded horses that carry themselves well and have have a good kind of natural energy and and are good movers. Um, that's exciting to see as well. You know, even though they might not be, um, you know, a flashy individual, they they have those intangible qualities that give you the hunch that. Mm, 
there's going to be something to look forward to once they hit the track. So we're, we're very pleased as well with the accelerates we've got. Looking forward to seeing those as well. Daredevil coming back to the U.S. will be standing at Lane's End in 2021. And then some of the big names that we're always used to seeing. Alaire, is there anything else in this Keeneland January sale that we should be looking for? Um, you know, I say this with any dispersal that's going on. You've just got to be there. Um, so... For anybody that has any inquiries about the broodmares or the short yearlings or the horses of racing age, don't hesitate. Um, there's lots of opportunity to be had, and uh, we're all here to to provide the information we can and and hopefully continue a great legacy that was set set in motion by Mr. Pompa. Sure, it certainly will be. Paul Pompa Jr., the dispersal of his estate handled by Lanes and Alaire Ryan, the sales director from Lanes and Alaire. Thank you so much for joining me. It was such a pleasure getting to speak to you, and I look forward to uh, getting a chance to see you hopefully when the, the world of COVID is over at a sale sometime soon. Thank you that, so much. That would be great. Thanks for having me. That'll do it for the first episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. A huge thank you to my guests, Kurt Becker and Alaire Ryan, for sharing some great information and stories as we get ready for the first sale of the year. Uh, I'll be doing this show every week. If you have any ideas of people that you'd like to hear from or individuals who play a big role or even a small role in the world of the sales, please let me know on social media. I'd love to speak to them. I'd love to cover a big variety of topics and I'm looking forward to diving even deeper into the world of the horse sales. There's a lot to cover and I'm really glad to have you along for the ride. For now, thanks for joining me on the first episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. See you next time.